0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blind Chatter Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Whitley, and this week, we sit down with Eric Strand of Born and Raised Call Co. and Born and Raised Outdoors, and we're talking turkeys. Uh, I've never shot a turkey before, so I'm picking his brain about where to look, how to look, how to call. I bought myself a Cherry Slate Born and Raised Call Co. turkey pot call, figuring out how to use it. I got some diaphragms I don't know how to use, so we're trying to figure it out with Eric this week, so be sure you guys listen in. Also, be sure to check out their website, born and, and when you check out whatever you're buying, use discount code BLINDCHATTER10, all one word, BLINDCHATTER10, for 10% off your order. So be sure to take some notes on this, listen up, and let's go shoot some turkeys this year, guys. Thanks for listening.
1: But the funny part of minors is, you know, like 18 kids a game get hit by a pitch, so that's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> you out something getting beamed left and right.
0: All right, well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're here with Eric Strand of Born and Raised Callco. Eric, how you been, buddy?
1: Great, man. I'm excited to be back on here with you. We've been wanting to do this for a little while and trying to get our our uh, busy schedules to align. And I just got back from. California, and now we're gearing up for for youth turkey that's coming up this weekend.
0: Yeah, I just watched the uh, the first half of that um that video you guys posted. <laughs> you and Cody made the long block train ride down from uh from P town to uh, wherever you guys were at in California.
1: Yeah, we we didn't get down there until shoot it was probably three or four in the morning.
0: Got the guess, water, and then I saw you guys stopped at Seven Feathers there. <laughs> oh yeah, I Seven station. Feathers. And-
1: I found a, I found a Bang energy drink that I'd never found before, so I was super excited.
0: What was the name of that one? Swirly uh, Pop? Tor-
1: I think it was Swirly Pop or Twirly Pop. I don't know. I saw it in the case, and I was like, I have to do this. You, uh, you're,
0: <laughs> you're super jazzed about it. I remember seeing that. Wow. I am
1: quite the uh, energy drink connoisseur, so when I find something new for the old palate, it's exciting.
0: Do you just drink Bangs, or do you drink anything other than that?
1: Primarily I, I I like the bang ones. They're they're good. Um and I i cut back on my coffee. I actually only drink one cup of coffee a day now and I'll have one energy drink and color good.
0: So a cup of coffee and an energy drink?
1: I have my cup of coffee. I get up really so I get about four thirty, four fifteen, have my cup of coffee and then I have a bang about eight. And then I'm just jacked till noon. That <laughs> little,
0: <laughs> little mid morning uh pick me yeah, up. And then if I'm really if I'm
1: really, really tired for some reason the afternoon, it's like cold brew coffee or like iced coffee. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, the bangs are, they're not, they're not as bad for you, I think, as a lot of like the rock stars and the nas and the the Matt Judy Mountain Dew kickstart, whatever his deal is with those. Yeah. Uh-oh. Well they're,
1: they're all, they're all pretty high octane, but
0: <laughs> yeah, we used to, we had a guy used to drink a uh, red line at work yeah. and that's like, that stuff's like straight clear gas. Like it'll get yeah. jammed. It's not good for your heart that's for sure <clears throat> no I, I don't yeah i don't know if uh you know a lot of it really is but i gotta have something to drink in the morning i can't drink coffee all the time i've exactly. had a couple bad coffee experiences with work and driving a dump truck in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> it's just coffee we don't do a lot together anymore it's kind of like yeah. a, a once in a while hunting thing but so yeah tell me about sure. this trip you guys just went on um you guys so if i was following this correctly you guys boated up to an island, and you turkey hunted an island? So it's Is actually right? a
1: series of If you can imagine, like, our Willamette River with the greenways, um, now imagine that there's turkeys on those greenways. So it's very similar to that, but it's in California. And it's, it's a lot of fun because anytime you incorporate a boat into anything, it just seems to make it more enjoyable.
0: Yeah.
1: But we started, we started at the, uh, the top of the system. Last year we didn't, we didn't have a, a motor. So last year we just floated down and then actually uh, <laughs> it was sketchy, but got a taxi ride out of the middle of nowhere back to one of our trucks to shuttle. <laughs> uh, but this year Cody had the mud buddy. So we were able to sh- like actually move ourselves around. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's all, it's all public ground. Um, there's you know It's all surrounded by, by big private ranches. But if you want to put the work in and, and just kind of figure out a place to camp and you can't, they don't allow you to camp anywhere off the river. So, like, we're camping on a sandbar, like a little sandy inlet, because you so can't like actually you can't go
0: camp up. on the greenway itself, like, on like, call it a greenway, I guess, but you can't exactly. camp on the greenway overnight.
1: Yep. Yep. So I think that's the way so it that, is
0: around here, too. Yeah.
1: And it's kind of fun, though, because, like, in the afternoon, it's 85 degrees, and pull our chairs out and go sit in the river, and you can't hunt turkeys past five o'clock. So, by about three or four, anyway, we're back camp. and it's just, uh, it's one of my favorite trips of the year. It's, it's a really relaxing, enjoyable trip. Yeah, And there's a lot of turkeys down there. Turkeys, uh, a lot of beer, and actually quite a few pigs. A lot of those uh, feral pigs.
0: Now, not to get too into it, but you guys in, obviously, probably, I would say, like, the northern part of California, correct?
1: Yeah, we're in northern California. Yeah. We're not too far outside of
0: Sacramento. Okay, yeah, see, I went to, so in February, I drove down from, I drove from Albany to Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a... Uh, quite the experience. But uh yeah, I towed yeah, a trailer. Awful. I towed a trailer behind the Audi Q8. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like a oh yeah no hatchback. A nice car, but I was pulling a seven by fourteen tandem axle extended height contractor trailer full of somebody's stuff. <laughs> Down yeah. I5 I was getting uh like five miles per gallon. It was miserable. But uh I went through the Sac Valley obviously and and I'd never been I drove through there once prior but it was super out of season, so there wasn't a lot of birds. But I drove through at like the money hour, and mm-hmm. I've never seen the amount of birds that I saw between the Sac Valley and like Los I think it's Los Banos.
1: Yep, Los Banos. Yep.
0: Dude, there are so many birds, and I was I was finding decoys on the side of I five. Like I had seen probably close to two or three dozen full body snow geese that had like blown out of somebody's truck. And they were just scattered on the shoulder by five. But I saw a couple of fields that had, I mean, probably 25 or 30,000 snows on them. I mean, they were just oh, yeah. full. But.
1: Now a lot of folks don't realize this too, but um, California is second to, I believe, Arkansas or Missouri, one of those two States, but it's second in the, in the country for total waterfowl take and total waterfowl hunters. So there are a pile of waterfowl hunters in California. And there's a lot of ducks and geese. I mean, it's, it's definitely a, uh, a target rich environment and lots, lots of habitat and, and they, they take it serious when I mean, they, they do it right. Um, I've never had a chance to actually hunt waterfowl in California, but it's funny talking to some friends down there. Um, I always try to set, you know, a couple of goals for each, each waterfowl season and this coming season. That's one of my goals. Definitely, definitely want to go down there and experience hunting in the, in the Valley and, and, uh, check it out. Cause it looks like it's, it's a
0: beautiful area. It really is. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not that, it's really not that far away from us. Like no, when you think no, about no. it, I mean, yeah. what uh it's like probably a 10 hour drive, maybe? yeah.
1: And it can be even less than that if you're having more, more northern California, it can be a six or seven hour drive, so, yeah.
0: Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was but, crazy seeing yeah. all those the rice fields. And and the I think there was this, there was, there was probably like a 12 mile stretch where like there wasn't really a lot of stuff going on on the side of the highway other than like rice fields. And uh, I think it was the set. Sac- sacram i don't know i think it was like the sacramento national wildlife refuge like a series of refuges that went down Mm -hmm. the uh east side of i-5 but
1: yeah it's actually a complex so yeah you have a series of different refuges all 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 connected
0: yeah it was super cool and then whatever los los Banos or whatever that is it's like you go on this like overpass and then there's like rice fields below you and there's like an airport over here where you got big southwest airlines like coming in on top of the freeway and you've got snow geese over here it just seemed like there's a lot going on but it was it, it looked yeah. like it would have been something really fun to go go down for a weekend and, Los, and Los try. Banas,
1: so that's actually um that's one of the first first duck calling contests and goose calling contests that i competed in outside of oregon they used to hold the uh, grasslands regional um waterfowl con contest down there and so we'd Make the drive every spring. They had the contest in March. And so we drive down there every spring, go compete. And um, yeah, I've got quite a few friends down there. And it really can be a, a very pretty area. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool. So
1: Turgant um... was good. I mean, we, we killed, we, shoot, shoot, uh, we shot nine longbeards in five days. So, I mean, hunting was great. It was different, though. The grass down there, they're at least a month to a month and a half ahead of us. So yeah. the grass was over knee high. And that super flat ground, those birds don't get up on ridges and gobble to, like, um, attract other hens. So they actually just do a lot of strutting. And so a lot of the call, uh, call-ins and subs we did would just be, like, a random, you know, hey, we've seen a lot of turkeys in this area, let's set up for an hour and call. And literally out of nowhere, 45 minutes in your song, uh, calling sequence, a long beard just comes strutting in. So they, they spend a lot of time just strutting through all those fields.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I would say, I bet that adds a different a different layer of, of difficulty to it with it not being kind of like what we're used to with, like, you know, pretty much anywhere you go, you're going to get a little bit of a ridge, not a ridge, but you're going to get some sort of a knoll or something where you kind of guess they'd be. But with it being super flat like that, I mean, adds a whole nother perspective to it.
1: Yeah, it is flat as a pancake. So last year, we definitely figured a couple things out as far as how to, how to set up for them and how to, um, you know, best locate. And uh, this year, definitely, you know, it, it it uh it was a lot better for us, let's put it that way. Yeah. It, it it paid off. We, we killed three or four last year and yeah, we killed nine this year. So it was it was good good time.
0: How long were you down there?
1: Um I was down there for four days. Uh, Trent, Cody, and Steve went down a day ahead of us. So uh, all in all it was like a, a five day trip. Yeah,
0: they got the early jump on you guys.
1: Yeah, I had I had to I, I had to work, so <laughs> one of those one of those work things.
0: What's that gun that they're giving away? Is that like a it looks like a, like a Nova.
1: So it is. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're giving away a Benelli uh, Nova twenty gauge pump, and right now it's got kind of a Skittles paint job on it. But <laughs> I was looking at gonna, that. It
0: looks like mine. Like when I was spray yeah. painting it.
1: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna end up finishing it up and getting it all camoed out. It's kind of a work in progress right now, but I think we've killed five or six birds with it already. So we're gonna try is, and see
0: how many birds we can kill with it. Is he scratching in on the buttstock? How many birds?
1: Oh yeah. We're, With the we're, spur, we're, we're scratching in notches. You bet. <laughs> I thought
0: I Absolutely. heard that and I was like, maybe I heard it wrong. Like, I, I don't know. I couldn't really tell. Yeah. No,
1: it's, it's a great little gun. We uh, we put a good choke tube in it and, um, and pattern it and it's shooting well. So, it, what's fun about shooting 20 gauge is it's a lot lighter. I mean, just to carry around the woods, super <laughs>
0: lightweight. Well, I have, I have a 12 gauge Nova pump and mm-hmm. it's like, it's my, my goose gun for a reason like it's very it goes in a cart it doesn't go on my back doesn't go anywhere where i'm gonna feel <laughs> the weight already but it's like
1: yeah
0: it's got me out of a lot of bad you know i've used it as a icebreaker i've used it as a paddle when my buddy and i forgot oars and the boat motor died we both had to use our novas as paddles i mean they're they're built to built to last
1: they're workhorse for sure but i like that sure. I,
0: I do like the little paint pattern you guys got going on with that i'm not sure what it is i'm not sure what the thought is but i like it
1: Hey, you'd have to ask Noah. Noah was in charge of the uh, the art department there <laughs> on that gun. So we're, we're it's, it's still a work in progress. It's got like a <laughs>
0: green buttstock and then a black pump and like a Cerakoted gold barrel. It, it, looked, it looked like
1: a, like a, He's calling it like a desert storm barrel. And then the green, I go, what happened with the green? Like they didn't have OD and he goes, it's the last green they had at Bimart. And I'm like, yeah, for a reason, nobody wants that green. It's like Vietnam so.
0: green. <laughs> no
1: we'll, we'll get it dialed in before it goes out the door so
0: so when's that end the giveaway on that
1: uh i think we're in, running it through through to a, a turkey season so we'll probably go through may oh okay. i'm not sure there's there there's like a hard and fast day but um yeah no we're doing that over there on the on the flyway channel uh, on the on that uh youtube channel we're doing that giveaway
0: and you guys done with your waterfall videos for now with that
1: for now yeah so right now we've we've, we've transitioned back into, into turkey and then we're gonna start doing waterfowl again uh, in the summer and then getting towards the season.
0: Yeah, now, did you guys do um, did you guys do like a little bit of like behind the scenes kind of stuff with waterfowl as far as like how you guys are doing like your tech tips? Are you guys doing anything like that for the flyway with uh, like doing like grassing and and stuff like that with the flyway channel?
1: Yeah, actually, I'm glad you asked that. That's exactly what our plan is, like this summer. Our plan is to go through, like, we're going to do, like, what's in our cart breakdown? Like, what's all the gear that we, we bring on a, on a goose hunt or a duck hunt? We're going to do, like, a breakdown, like, what's in our boats, the gear we're using. Um, actually, I want to do, like, how to make your own ghillie blanket or how to make your own, you know, I'm very cover.
0: interested in that. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of that, that type of stuff. We're going to, we're talking about spreads, kind of how we implement them, how we set them up. Um, I want to do, like, from A to Z on how to set up a spread in the field. Cause a lot of guys, you know, they get these great decoys, and and it's too bad. But you watch out how they set them, and it's like, guys, there's there's a better way. There's, a, there's an easier way to make this this all work. So
0: yeah, yeah I've seen that a few times where you, you know you get a guy that's got and I love DSDs, but you get these people that they buy DSDs and they're like, it doesn't matter how I put them out, they're gonna work. But like, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily pan out like that every time. Like you have to have some sort of a method to your madness to make it create. Like you can't just play the drums and strum a guitar and it make a song. Like you have to have some sort of a beat to follow. That's a great, and, p- and people great don't follow song. a beat. They just throw them out.
1: Yep. No, that's but. a, that's a very good analogy and you're, you're spot on. So and I think we're also going to go into like, um, you know, how to from the basics to more advanced calling on both uh, ducks and geese. So
0: yeah,
1: yeah I'm excited. We got a, got a bunch of ideas, a bunch of things we want to want to do. and just got to find the time to do. Them.
0: And did you guys switch over to, are you guys running just dive bombs now? Or you guys oh, still yes. running we ran all,
1: all dive bombs basically all season. We, there were a couple hunts. We ran some full bodies. And then if we're hunting with friends that have full bodies as well, like we're not exclusive to where it's like, hey guys, you can't use your decoys. I mean, what well, we can mix and match. But I um, I wanted to, to experiment with it. We had great success with it, running really big spreads. Um, I've been saying it for years. You know, I, I really think our cacklers are turning more and more into snow geese every year. Um, they really have developed the mob mentality. And with uh, the hunting pressure and the amount of hazing we're seeing, and, and hunting pressure—I'm sorry, hunting pressure—but um, and uh, and and farmers getting out there and pushing them, uh, I just—I don't know. I, I've seen it for a lot of a lot of years as far as how the snow geese act and behave, and our our catheters are right there with them.
0: Yeah, it's kind of we're kind of hitting a turning point, I think, in the the revolution of goose hunting. Like Sean said mm-hmm. a couple times now, it's like we're kind of starting to we're kind of starting to go back to the '80s. 90s with the silhouettes and and being able to get away with those and there's a whole different way you know if you look at at back in the day when the silhouettes came out versus now there's a whole different it's a whole different ball game but we're oh, getting absolutely. to the point where you can run them again and you can run them consistently and have consistent success over it i'm not entirely sure. sold on it but that's just me i don't and there's something about me and silhouettes that i'm I'm not I just haven't done it enough to where I'm like, yeah, I can do this. Cause you know, like when my brothers and I would go out, it was always we'd put out, you know, seven, eight, nine dozen full bodies and we would have great hunts. We never thought about running silhouettes, mm-hmm. but being a solo hunter most of the time, the silhouettes are very intriguing to me. But I think I'm going to end up getting socks instead of silhouettes.
1: So as I was going to tell you that that's a lot of guys think I'm running all, all silhouettes, but I run about 60, 40 uh with sixty percent being socks and forty percent being silhouettes um and mix them all together but our spread for the most part last year was around 80 to 120 dozen decoys and we can get those <laughs> we can get those set up and, and out in the field and I'm gonna say less than a half hour how many them, guys uh, is that probably five probably five or six that's kind of our, our normal size yeah. and then picking them up is even faster. I, I can get that spread picked up in less than a half hour. So
0: and how many it's, bags it's, is that each bag holds like five dozen right
1: yeah. Um, so the socks, you can get 10 dozen to a bag. So if I'm throwing 60,000 socks, I like can six bags. And then I'm throwing 40 dozen silhouettes, I'm throwing eight bags. So it's 14 bags of depots.
0: Now, have you experimented? Not to, I know we're out of waterfall season, but I'm, I'm super into this right now. So have you tried doing the tote where you get like the HDX tote, the, the Home Depot totes, and you use those instead of the bags?
1: I have not, but I want to, I do actually. I, I saw that last year and I want yeah. to see how many I can get in, into them and, and do that. So what we do for the most part is um, a lot of the fields we hunt up here. We're pretty fortunate in that I've had long-term relationships with these farmers and we're able to go in with a side-by-side with a trailer. And so we'll just throw everything on that side-by-side of the trailer and then just take it out there, throw it all out. But if I wanted to take a cart, I, I think those, those totes might be even better as far as getting more decoys, um, you know, strapped into a cart, but mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's a different style. I mean, like, and I've had a lot of guys, you know, oh, do you, do you hate using full bodies? I'm like, no, oh, I have nothing against using full bodies. I just wanted to try a different style. I was introduced to it in Kansas two years ago, and it's just a different different way of hunting. A lot of calling, super aggressive. Um, you'll get birds that, you, you can get birds to react from a long, long ways with those big spreads. And then it's just getting them to finish to, you know, most of our shots are going to be probably about 20 to 30 yards, but you will get birds to finish into the socks as well as well. Just yeah. depends on the weather conditions and if you're dealing with juvenile birds or mostly adults.
0: Yeah. Huh. <clears throat> yeah, the silhouette and, and sock game is very intriguing to me, and and I think this this off season I'll be getting some getting some socks. I'm thinking about I, I would I'd like to get somewhere around eight dozen socks just to. I feel like that's enough to where I can dabble with them with my mm-hmm. full bodies, but. We'll see. And they
1: are they are super deadly on ducks. I'll tell you that right now.
0: The socks. Like a, a, a,
1: a big sprint of socks with ducks in, in, a, in a sheet water field lights out.
0: Yeah, see, that's the other thing I'm thinking, too, is even in, like, sheet water, it'd be nice to have, you know, because a lot of the sheet water we have down here in the Valley, like, you're probably aware of, is there ain't nothing to hide in. You've got a flat annual field, and that's all you got to work with.
1: Well, and as I'm sure you know, talking to Judy, that's what Judy's doing up north. You know, they're they're hunting in the middle of these fields that the other guys can't get out to and yeah. they're building building the hide in the socks.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a a, a change I'd like to make, but we'll see, we'll see how dedicated I stay to that. I'm very I'm very set <laughs> exactly. in my ways, so it's gonna take a little bit of of persuading, I think. I think Matt's got me hooked on it though. We've talked a little bit about it and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to try it. But
1: and it's one of those things too, I mean, like you don't have to go all in and never hunt over a full white scan. Like don't don't get me wrong, I'll I still have a full body spread and we, we use it two or three times last year. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not, it's not all, all or nothing. It's just another trick in the bag.
0: Plus it's nice to be like that when you're solo It makes it a lot easier Absolutely. to pack in a bunch of decoys. You know, a lot of times when I go out by myself, it's like I got the cart and it's great, but it's like when it's full of decoys, it's like, you know, that's a lot of weight and that's a lot of muck to be pushing through by myself. It's like, I'd rather just have, you know, a bag of socks and give it a whirl, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. But oh, yeah. Well like I said, last episode, we're going to switch gears. It's Turkey time. It's officially Turkey time. The countdown's on today's the sixth. So we got nine days. Yep. What's the plan for you over here? Are you going to, you're going to take White out and get him a Turkey.
1: Yeah. So we just got done uh, patterning his shotgun, getting him all dialed in for this weekend. Um, so this weekend is the, the two day, um, youth season for Oregon. So, um, Oregon, like a lot of their States, a lot of the, the, the kids get out there, um, usually the weekend before opening, you know, opening day. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I don't know why it's, why it's Jack. He's been talking about it for a few years now. So and he's ready. Yeah. I mean, he's got a gun that fits him well. And now it's just, we're going to see if he can hold still long enough to shoot one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he looked pretty. uh He looked pretty amped up today in that Instagram oh, yeah. video he posted. He was all jazzed up. He was all. Oh, yeah, it was. It was deadly. What did he say? It was. Uh, God.
1: Oh, I think, I think he said. Oh, it 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 destroyed it. De- yeah, <laughs> it's it like destroyed it. He started yeah, laughing, so. and I'm
0: like, all right, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, good.
1: we'll 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 start off with the youth season here in Oregon, and then I actually am not going to do a lot of hunting in Oregon until later. Um, we're we'll headed over to West Virginia to go hunt with uh, the hunting public and go do a, a collab with those guys for, I'm going for five days. Then Cody's going for like 10 and then we come back and then we're going to Idaho. So,
0: damn, that's pretty cool, man.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm, I've, I've wanted to hunt the hardwoods um in, in the Appalachian mountains for a long, long time. And uh, to get the invite from those guys, uh I'm, I feel very fortunate. I'm definitely excited.
0: And they have the, uh the, um, merriam's turkeys right
1: so in the appalachians actually those are uh easterns so they have all oh, okay. like we have rios and some Miriams here the Miriams that are, are in the mountains um over there it's all easterns so um uh, yeah it'll be be brand new for me those birds they definitely have their own tendencies and and uh own you know their own way of doing things so yeah i'm excited to learn something new and on a different burden
0: so i'm very new to, to turkey hunting i actually just mm-hmm. bought that's right. Yeah, the cherry. Stacy and I uh, bought a pair of them, and we're gonna go. We're gonna go shoot some turkeys this year. But I don't know what I'm doing. Right on. Um, well, so, I mean,
1: yeah, it's 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 definitely one of those things where once you get your feet wet, you kind of go all in. But um, yeah. if there's if there's one thing that I, I try to tell everyone when it comes to turkey hunting, is you know, less is more. And you want the turkeys to be hunting you, and not you hunting the turkeys.
0: <laughs> See, I'm so yeah. That's like I'm out. I don't know what that means. I don't know how this works. Uh, you know, it's like I guess let's start from the basics here. Uh, what do you look? What do you look for? Oak, oak so trees. First right? and
1: foremost, uh, yeah. First and foremost, I, w- I want to hear them. I want to locate them off the rooster. or I want to hear where they're gobbling from, so that I can, you know, pinpoint with my ears, put an idea of where they're at, and then I can plan my hunting there. And from there, I'm just trying to find the best setup possible without getting busted. So ideally, I'm going to get within 100 yards to set up where those birds are. And then I'll start my, my calling sequences, which doesn't have to be anything super, super fancy. Just yelps and clucks, really. And uh, once he starts you know, firing back and responding, uh, obviously now that means, hey, he's, he's interested. He's intrigued by it. He wants to hear more. That's when you cut him off and just stop calling altogether. And if... If, if if he keeps gobbling on his own and coming towards you, that's perfect. If he goes quiet, it means one or two things: either he has lost interest, or he's coming in silent. And a lot of times, these be smarter birds, are they're going to come in silent.
0: So this is why IQ. you call them the bulls of the spring. It literally Absolutely. sounds like an elk.
1: Yeah, I mean it's very very similar. And I, I try to you know say yeah, they're just like hunting elk, but I mean they're very very similar to hunting elk because I'm trying to I'm trying to reverse nature just like I am on calling a bull. I'm trying to call this turkey in naturally he's going to gobble hens are going to go to him and then and they go on their merry way i'm trying to call him to me so for me it's like i want to get them excited and then play hard to get
0: hmm. i gotcha. so do you hunt a lot of i guess let's put it this, like i got a lot of farmland around me i got a lot of property i can hunt um yeah for turkeys now is that something where if you if you can you pattern them almost
1: absolutely Okay. absolutely if you can if you can put a pattern on on the areas they roost in where they're going to feed what fields they like to be in that's huge especially if you're able to you know say you've got a turkey that you, you notice hey he comes into this field at 9 a.m every morning with a group of hens if you can if you could be in there be set up in that field before he gets there with a tom decoy or with decoys that, that'll then bring him in that's that's a perfect scenario
0: now do you hunt over decoys? or do you i do i do, what do you do what, do you, what kind of decoy yeah do you i remember?
1: mean uh, if i'm hunting in the mountains and are, you know areas that i'm having to hike a lot i'll probably leave the decoys in the truck but if it's an area that i can carry one or two decoys and still get around and be pretty quiet then absolutely i will yeah okay. and anything from a, a full strut decoy down to a jake and, or, and a hen or just just hands hmm.
0: so gotcha yeah stacy was he was saying he he's got i don't know he's got some kind of a <laughs> i literally don't know anything about turkey hunting so it's all like over my head he's all jacked up about it he's like dude we're gonna get some turkeys this year and i'm like all right like i i'm just here for the ride man i'm just here to take pictures and and hang out you know he's sending me pictures of he, his turkey and decoys and,
1: quite a bit and he's asking great questions so i mean he's, he's definitely into it and you guys are in an area that has a lot of turkeys
0: so well that's what i told that's... him he was like yeah we'll have to go up on the hill and i'm like no i'm like we'll just go out here by where i do hunt. like the dude's got tons of turkeys in all of his fields he hates them and he's like oh perfect yep. so i don't know i guess <laughs> i guess we'll see yeah, what I happens do. but yep. um so are they are they big on like water too like can you can you hunt them by a water source do they is that something you've done
1: the only, only time I've ever seen turkeys that are actually drawn to water was in California and it was like 90 degrees out and they were coming down to get a little little bit of water in the afternoon. But for the most part, especially turkeys around here, there's so much water, um, whether it be the morning dew or just little, little puddles and seeps, they're really not too, too drawn to water. Cause they, they can find it just by anywhere.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: it, it's, it might sound a little, a little dumb, but like they're just a big, big chicken. So if you think about like how how chickens act and as far as their their pecking order and and yeah. their 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 barnyard type you know um men, you know the, 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 the mannerisms, I mean trust me, they are a lot of than chickens, but at the same time they are they are just a bird,
0: yeah so right um what kind of shotgun did you hit is that a you said it was a rate
1: yeah, it was a rot so um yeah they, those guys they uh they actually asked me, hey, you know, try this thing out let's know what you think we'd love to get some more um in the field, you know. Um, experience with it and kind of get, get some feedback, so I took it down there. And um, great gun, super lightweight. Um, that one's actually an auto loader, which I don't typically shoot uh, turkeys with an auto loader, but I had had no issues at all. It's got a 22 inch barrel, so it points. It looked a super little super short.
0: Deep. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's really short. I
0: yeah. couldn't tell if it was just the the angle it was at, but it looked like the the forehand ran quite a ways up the barrel. Yeah, it
1: does. It, that 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 the the forehand uh, part of the gun, it definitely. Runs real ways on the barrel, but then also has that short barrel. Um, but as far as like the balance and, and weight, it was it was
0: awesome. So, what's the reason behind the do you know the reason behind the shorter barrel on that specific gun? Yeah, so it's a on, gun? on these
1: tree guns, um, especially in like heavily wooded areas, you don't want to have a lot of barrel hanging up above your head when you're when you're uh, when you got slung. So you're hitting branches and trees and sticks. And then also you're trying to cut the weight down. So it kind of serves two two different ways. A, it's not as clunky and bulky and easier to point and swing around. And then second, it just doesn't weigh as much, you know, because after packing a gun all day long, it starts to get heavy.
0: Yeah. Now, do you notice any difference? I mean, obviously you probably do, but what's the difference you notice in the pattern of that gun with that such short, that much shorter of a barrel than, you know, say your typical 28 inch barrel or 26 inch barrel?
1: So, I should probably do some experimenting with chokes that I have not done a bunch of experimenting or testing with choke tubes. But the one thing you'll get with a shorter barrel is your, um, the the distance as far as that, that your pattern is effective. You might not have as much range. Um, for the most part, we're shooting our turkeys, you know, sub 20 yards, but
0: sub 20 shoot that. Oh,
1: yeah. We try to get them super close. Oh, my yeah. God.
0: <laughs> I'm definitely so, going to whiff. Like for like, us,
1: that's the whole game. You know, it's like, how close can we get them? and, and it's, it's all about tricking them so that, that's that that's the fun part for me but yeah uh, i probably probably wouldn't shoot that gun much much past 30 35 with the current setup but i think if i got a better choke in it it'd probably be a 40 yard gun no problem
0: and you were saying that was a 20 gauge that's 20 gauge yeah. That was a good looking gun though i mean that look that looked like a great that looks like a great youth 20 gauge waterfowl gun like it something would, short distance stopped.
1: Yeah, it would be phenomenal and i was talking to uh, the rep there he said they're going to start making a, a 28 gauge which a 28 gauge would be killer for a waterfowl too would be fun
0: yeah that nice sub gauge that'd be great yeah um so i guess on the topic of shotguns what what are you looking for in a turkey load i mean you've got you look out and, and you've got your heavy metal that's like 75 80 bucks for like five or six rounds and then you've got your federal, that's a step down from that. And then you've got some of your Remington and stuff like that. Is there, do you really see that big of a difference in, and between heavy metal federal and all the other brands with the turkey loads?
1: I'm glad you asked that question because, um, Cody and Trent actually just did a full on pattern testing video for our, our turkey guns. And we did the same thing. We tested, um, the federal top gun, which is like seven bucks a box, all the way up to the federal TSS, which is, 70 dollars for five oh you know God. and so we're, we're sitting there going okay we got like 10 different things you know 10 different types of ammunition here to, to test like between seven dollars and 70 and let's let's try to find this happy medium and it was eye-opening because that 70 ammunition um, whether it be the tss or an apex or like a boss it it outshined every other ammunition out there i mean Incredibly, it did incredibly well. And what I'm looking for is I'm looking for a super, super dense pattern that doesn't have much flyers. So I want I want as many pellets downrange and a tight pattern as possible. So we're shooting a smaller a smaller uh, shot size as well. We're shooting uh, either like a size seven or an eight or a nine.
0: Oh, really? Yep. So what? So in a turkey load, do you have the bigger? I've I've always thought turkey load was like a larger a larger pellet.
1: It was for for decades. Everyone was shooting, you know, a size two, a size four. Some guys were shooting like a size BB. um And the thought process was, you know, oh, I've seen it hit him with a couple of these in the head and it'll kill him. Well, now it's like, okay, he could hit him with a few BBs, or you could hit him with fifty. And right. You hit him with 50, fifty BBs, and it's you know, good night, real quick.
0: Well, the one, the one uh, I think Trent shot the first one they shot on that newest video. I yeah. mean it. It was it was peppered pretty good when they slowed it down you could see it was a a really good shot really tight pattern on it mm-hmm. and i've seen some shots yeah. where it's like they don't they're not that instant like hit and like they're just they're already dispatched pretty much yeah but that was yeah. a very clean yeah. quick shot it sounds
1: funny but uh it can actually be somewhat difficult shooting a shotgun like a rifle like trying to I look bet. down that beat. because especially like you and i had water fountain for so long we're so used to snap shooting and pulling through and just always moving that barrel, like to sit down and get in the gun, just like you were, you, you would a rifle and then hold it and then not jerk the trigger. Cause what's the first thing you want to do? Like the, 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 two things that make a guy miss a turkey, a you pick your head up. Cause you just want to see it. And you just, you know, shoot over top of the bird. Second, it's like, you're pulling you these yank and all of a sudden you pull that pattern. Like two yeah. feet to the right. So it, it actually, it takes a little bit of, I wouldn't say like, you know, practice, but it just have to have some discipline for
0: sure. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go out and say it right now that um, I will almost put a paycheck, a weekly paycheck on the fact that if I pull up on a Turkey and shoot, I will miss the first shot. I take, there's not a, <laughs> there's not a snowman's chance in hell. I'm going to hit that <laughs> shot. I have a hard enough time putting a kill shot, a water swat shot on a crippled duck. Sometimes I can't imagine me pulling up on a Turkey, but like I've never shot a Turkey before. So I'm sure that'll just be, a clean miss.
1: You'd be better off uh, f- f- flushing it, and shooting it out of the air.
0: <laughs> I that's what I'm thinking, but I've heard that's kind of frowned upon, kind of like reaping. It,
1: it is. It's 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 heavily frowned upon
0: <laughs> shooting them out of the air. Is?
1: Oh yeah, I wouldn't say so much no shooting out of the air. It's like but usually shooting out of the air is associated with them either coming from or going to roost and shooting a turkey off the roost. So it's like that's like their most vulnerable place. So it's just it's not ethically correct.
0: But what if I flush it from the ground like a pheasant? Does that make it better? <laughs>
1: exactly. Hey, that that's up to you. That, that's gonna be your call.
0: <laughs> it's all about the asterisks after the paragraph. It, it defines exactly. what everything means. Exactly. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I I don't know. Go get me a box of shells and tinker around and see what happens. But um, do it. What's the whole re- what's reaping? I don't even know if that. We talked about so it a little reaping, bit before the mics got hot, but
1: I, <laughs> yeah, reaping's uh, reaping started. I'm gonna say about mm, a decade ago, maybe a little bit less. And somebody figured out. Well, I say somebody. I've I've seen it work. guess yeah, so what happens was guys start using these full strut decoys, and the the toms aren't attracted to the decoy itself. They're t- attracted to that fan, and they see that full fan, and it's like it'd be like if you're in a bar and you go to the bathroom. And you come back out of the bathroom, there's got there's a guy with his arm around you know around your wife. And You're like, what is going on? Like that's that's the same thing when a Tom sees another Tom in his area strutting. It's just like, what are you doing? And it just it just triggers them. And they, they they see red. They get pissed off, and they just lose their mind. And so what happened was guys started noticing this. And they're like, well, shoot, they're not even coming to the decoy. They just want that fan. So they started pulling the fans off and just using the fans to, to fan birds in. Well, that then turned into reaping, which reaping is like you get behind a big fan and you literally just sneak out into the field right at the turkeys, and you can get incredibly close. Like you and I were talking, guys have shot them with, you know, shotgun pistols and guys have grabbed them with their hands. And for whatever whatever reason it is, those turkeys just they see red, they go sideways, and they can't control themselves. And you know, here I am a 260-pound dude behind a fan. And they ask like I'm not even
0: there. Yeah. You know? That's wild. So, yeah. I didn't even know that I, was really a thing. I didn't know I've seen the videos of it, but I didn't realize that it had become not such a problem, but there was that many people doing it to where it like kind of started to become an issue where it's like kind of frowned upon, you know.
1: I would say it is. It's definitely it's when you talk to turkey hunters, it's very controversial because like you're basically um, you're taking the one thing that that bird has away from them. That's like their, their defense against that, that fan. You know, you're basically um, – yeah, you're just taking away their, their last defense. So they, they can't control themselves, and they see that. So it's like, okay, well, if we need to kill one on this field, let's go reap them. And I guess it, it's a really big deal back in the Midwest and the South where a lot of these turkeys go out these fields and just sit, stay in the fields all day long. So there's no real way to kill them. So what happened was guys started reaping more and more and more, killing all these turkeys. Well, all of a sudden there's two things going on. A, the, the turkey populations in a good part of the country are way, way down. I mean, they've been on the decline for 20 plus years. So you have populations that are on the, on the decline. You have increased population of hunters and now you have a population of hunters that is super, super, super successful with reaping these turkeys. And it also, so that's that, that's one side of the coin, we'll say that. The other one is the safety thing. So you better be damn sure that you are on private property where no one is going to shoot you because yeah. you're literally, <laughs> you look like a Turkey going through the brush. And I, I've heard of guys trying to do it on public ground. I've heard of guys you know getting shot at with rifles because people don't realize they're out there and they're just trying to shoot the turkeys off the property. And um, it definitely has, has some, some dangerous aspects
0: to it. Yeah. I was going to say, I've heard that. I, I think it's in Texas. You're allowed to shoot them with small caliber rifles. Yep. And it add, yep. adds a whole different thing to it. If you're, if you're reaping like that and, like for us in here in the in the in Oregon you're shooting them with a shotgun so you got to be yeah. relatively close like like I'm sure if I saw just a fan coming at me I'd probably be like yeah something's up with this like, I think there's something going on there's probably somebody behind it I wouldn't shoot it hmm. but you know you get to to places where you can shoot them with a, a small small caliber rifle then you're starting to ask for issues yep but, hmm. yeah I didn't Only know that. done a any, any actual,
1: like like reaping is I've never actually reaped a turkey where I've got out and like shot them, but I have gone out to the edge of a field with a full strut decoy and a fan. And I've just put it up high enough to where they can see it to see if I can get their attention to draw them across the field and then call them in. I haven't been, I haven't been successful with it yet, but that's, that is the one, the one thing that I've, I've done trying, I guess, quote unquote reap them.
0: Hmm. Somebody said turkeys are easier to hunt than ducks. What do you think about that?
1: Hmm. I don't know, man. It's, it's such a different hunt. You know, it's a, it's a very different style. I mean, if you do your scouting and, and you know, you have a good spot, yeah, I guess I, I can see where guys are going to say it's easier to hunt ducks, but what, what kind of duck hunter are
0: they? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can't really speak well, much on it no, because I- I'm not much of a of a... I'm not that crazy of a duck hunter as I once was. Um, But I feel like, I feel like that's kind of like comparing apples to oranges.
1: Yeah. And the the one thing I will say on that, because there's, there's something to be said about like, there's, there's different ways of hunting turkeys, you know, myself, I prefer to call them in. I prefer to make it basically as hard as possible. I'm trying to trick them. I'm trying to bring them in as close as possible To me that's like that's the joy of turkey hunting i love being out there in spring i love the calling i love every aspect of those you know that month and a half or two months i get to be out in the woods there's also people that just want to go kill a turkey nothing wrong with that i'm not passing any judgment but if you just want to go kill a turkey best thing to do is leave your blue jeans on a red flannel and act like you're farming and you can walk right up to them shoot them
0: yeah i mean i think i i think it yeah i think it depends on your scenario too like if you're if you're hunting private property for turkeys and you've got everything that they need right there they've got a feed field they've got their roost you know right where they're going to go yeah i could see where it could get easier Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think it's i think it's kind of i think it's kind of a toss-up depends on on how hard you duck hunt how hard you turkey hunt all that comes into play yeah
1: it's the same argument like if you're going to go try and shoot a little bit mallards on sauvignon wildlife and on the public or shoot a little mallards on a flooded corn pond that gets hunted once a week you know it's like yeah, they're both the same limits, but one's a lot harder than the other.
0: Yeah. 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 Um let's talk a little let's talk a little elk here really quick. So I've never shot a turkey. Okay. Also, never shot an elk. And I'm gonna do both of them this year. I'm shooting an elk. I love it. And I'm shooting a turkey.
1: Are you are you bow hunting or rifle hunting or what?
0: Well, I bought my bow tag last year and I should have just bought my rifle tag because I probably could have shot one during rifle season. <laughs> But I want to I want to bow hunt. I want to bow hunt the elk. Um I kind of want to try to shoot one with my bow, a turkey with my bow too. Oh
1: yeah. I think we have a lot of
0: I've been with Stacy before and I think he shot one. He shot one of those giant like guillotine. The mm-hmm. guillotine tips, you know. I don't. Yep. He hit it. I don't know what happened. We tracked it forever. I don't even know how bad he hit it. We never even found it. But he has got a couple with his bow. But let's talk a little bit of elk here. What is, what's the best, what's your favorite born and raised elk read?
1: Oh, okay. So I'm a big fan of, of two reads. And it's kind of a toss-up for me. I love the the September read. Um, and then also our, our Land of the Free read um you know I, I i blow a lot of air i've always always had a lot of air through through blowing duck and goose calls and so i need a call that i can definitely kind of, kind of lean on and both of those those reads um, from what we have to offer allow me to you know, blow the most air and also get most uh i guess the, the biggest range of sounds uh but yeah those two right there are definitely my my favorites the september and, and land the free
0: now is one of those a bugle read that you like to bugle through
1: you, uh, both of them you can be able be through no problem for me. I, I prefer, prefer building on that land of the free, but I can get good deals up on that September as well. So a lot of, a lot of uh, folks don't realize but like the read thickness and the read stretch is what really has, has to do with how the reads function. And both of those are, are fairly, fairly similar. Um, the one has a little bit more stretch. One is a little bit less. And then the, the latex is a little bit different, but, um, they're, 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 they're fairly similar.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Um, is elk your favorite type of big game to go after? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's,
1: I, I myself, I, I love to bow hunt them. I, I do enjoy rifle hunting too. This last year is my first year actually rifle hunting elk and have an absolute blast doing it. It's just very, very different than bow hunting. Um, but that month of September, you know, when these bulls are are running and chasing cows and bugling and, and just that, that time of year being in the mountains, in that transition of the, the dog days of summer into the first, you know, cold snap of fall, it's just, to me, there's nothing better.
0: Now, do you prefer rosies or Rockies?
1: You know, um, Rockies, I do. I would say I prefer Rockies for a few reasons. Not so much that I don't like hunting rosies, but um, roses are, you know, a lot different animal. They don't don't bugle near as much. They live in some really, really tough, nasty places, which more power to them. That's what they're doing to survive. I like hunting over in Eastern Oregon, um, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. A lot of it's for, for the scenery as well. I mean, you get to hunt them in some very beautiful places. I love hunting the subalpine stuff. You know, seven thousand feet above, and um, yeah, I just I really enjoy hunting
0: them. Yeah, yeah, it's something I want to I want to eventually experience is uh going over to Idaho and getting into some of that that real high country and and mm-hmm. seeing all that and doing that. Um, what? Now, if you don't want to talk about it, it's fine. We can cut it out. But what's your thoughts on what's going on with the over-the-counter tag starting to go away?
1: Oh no, I'm more than happy to talk about it. I've I've talked about this stuff for, for hours on end. We could have a whole podcast just on, on this topic alone. Um, so I'm I'm very heavily involved in, in the Oregon Hunters Association. I'm on the board for our local chapter. Um, I'm all about preserving the heritage and the, the tradition of our our you know, whether it be waterfowl hunting, turkey, deer, elk, you name it. Um so this new controlled draw for archery, it worries me on some ends, but then I also see where it could it also behoove us and, and to help us out in the long run as well. So there's a few things that we're facing right now. Like we're facing a huge predator problem and we're, we're, we're not gonna do anything about that until we can actually take care of bears and cougars and the wolves. So that's one of those things where we have to attack that, but to manage hunters through tag numbers, like for me, that just throws red black. Um, and the reason being is, I'm all about managing pressure and quality of the hunt. So I would love to see if we could manage these by zone, but not necessarily just by unit. But, like, let's say if some of the most popular elk, um, elk units, like Starkey, Hepner, Ukiah, what if we were to make that into a zone and then have a cap on those tags? So say we had you know, 1,500 bow tags for that zone. It wouldn't necessarily mean that there's 1,500 guys in one unit. Whereas, like, right now, I think it's like 1,300 tags for Ukiah. It's you know we haven't done it yet, but my my gut is telling me that's going to be a very very busy unit. And any of these units that, that have over a thousand archery tags, they're going to be packed. Because now I can't unit you know, hop. I can't go from Yukaya to Star-Hee to Catherine Creek to Mayanum to Imnaha. I, I got to have one unit for the whole season. I am a fan of choosing West Side or East Side um, because I don't think it's fair to the guys that want to hunt the coast all all fall. All, all September to have to deal with guys that are going back and forth but my biggest fear honestly with the with the controlled hunt um, tags is they're going to be managing those tags and not managing the elk number the, the elk numbers so all of a sudden they're like oh well our, our, our bull population are down our, our bull recruitment is, is going down let's cut the archery tags So we started off with 1300 and now we're a thousand and now we're 800 and now all of a sudden we're 500 and now all of a sudden we're 300. And all of a sudden you can't draw an elk tag in Oregon for five, six years. So that's one of my biggest fears. And it's not that I don't trust ODFW, but I don't trust ODFW.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you got, there's a lot of people, excuse me. There's a lot of people in an uproar about um, the cackler thing too, where they're going down to three birds. Now that's, there's a lot going on with that as far as like surveys and bird count numbers and, people saying well where i'm at there's 30,000 birds here like right like the last couple of weeks down here by finley there's i mean <clears throat> there's probably uh, 50,000 candidates down here mm-hmm. just they're every they're everywhere can't keep them out um, yep. and guys are seeing that and they're like well why is our why is our number going down but people refuse to read the management plan and they refuse to see where the actual quote-unquote science is coming into play and like the guy that sets all that stuff we were we had a meeting and he was like out of all these people that have complained i've had one person reach out to me and actually say something about it um but like people don't want to speak up when it comes time to make a change they just would rather type it in on facebook you know Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's kind of the same way this big game thing might end up. I, f- I feel like people are a little bit more apt to speak their mind and, and say how they feel about big game because there's, there's a lot more that goes into play with that than there is with migratory birds, I think, in my opinion. I'll
1: agree with you, but I'll also disagree in the fact that and that's actually one of the things that, um, you know, I, I made that joke as far as not trusting NFW. It's not that I don't trust them. They have a very difficult job. They got to manage you know, our wildlife, the habitat, the dollars. I mean, it, it, it's not an easy job. No, The the frustration that I have is we had, you know, compact groups, focus groups, committee uh, committee meetings, all these different, you know, hearings and meetings all across the state. And there were some some really, really good ideas brought to the table by some solid organizations and individuals. And for the most part, all that was set aside and they went with their plan. And it just, after a while, it starts to feel like lip service. You know, it's like, Hey guys here's what we want to do we'd love to talk to everyone about it but here's what we're going to do <laughs> and it's, it's it's just it's a little tough because i think a lot of people um like myself and we feel very passionate about it like my biggest passion as far as for um why i, I volunteer and donate time is is i want to make sure my kids and their kids have a resource and an opportunity to go hunting and in, in this state and myself i do a fair amount of hunting out of state now i'd probably say 60 to 70 percent of my hunting for for big games out of state and it's not that oregon doesn't have the the uh potential or you know the the opportunity to have huge herds and some really good quality genetics it's just they're not managed properly so yeah
0: manage management's um not as good here as it as it could be and as it should be why is it that
1: i can go to montana and shoot a buck and two does every single year as a non-resident you can't draw a doe tag for your wife or the son or anyone for nine, ten years. I mean, that's the place over there.
0: Yeah. Well, that I mean, yeah. you look around and there's so many people out rifle hunting that it's like they. I want to say it was like a couple of years ago they made the switch from Fork and horn to spike mm-hmm. for the general season, and it was like everybody was shooting deer, yep. and then it's like, okay, well that's. That's good, but like, what's that going to cost us in the long run? You know, so I don't, I don't know. I, I don't get you're, involved you're, uh, with, with the big game as much as I, probably should or want to. But it's just, I'd love to be able to see this place be, what it used to be for when I have yeah. kids and my kids grow up. But I, it's there's, it's not going to be.
1: But you did bring up a good, a good point too with the the cacklers myself i mean i think there's lots of different things we could try and i would like to try but it's one of those things where um the squeaky wheel gets the grease and as you know some of the i don't have quite enough time to to yeah. be the squeaky wheel all the time so but if, yeah. if you ask me what, what was the best goose hunting we ever had and that was four, four birds a day wednesday sorry sunday with, with check stations
0: yep Plain that's sunday. what i told i told yeah, that's what i told this guy about i said you know i said we should just ditch the three bird thing and go down to three days and reinstate check stations and make it a thing i go that'll fix all your numbers right there because guys that have to go cool. from from you know wherever they're hunting at to go to a check station like there were times i think we talked about it last time on the podcast like stacy and i would go hunting and it was like do we really want to shoot geese today because like if we shoot geese then we have to go all the way to polk county or all the way to Tristing to I, OSU. I, I had I had dozens
1: and dozens of days where I'd be duck hunting, and you have that fly over at thirty yards. You're like, you guys want to shoot it?" I'm like, "Nope, nope, absolutely not today. Not. I'm good."
0: That was the worst part too, about being on the river because you get those big river hawkers that come in in pairs, and you're like, "We really want to shoot these two birds to go take them to a check station, like for nothing. Like we obviously know they're hawkers. Like yeah. I get going to the check station to to have to follow through with." with what you sign up to do as a goose hunter in the valley but it's like at some point it's like i'm not going to take that shot because i'm not going to drive it over there to have it checked in it's not not yeah. worth it but so the, i
1: guess the other thing you mentioned which is spot on is uh you're seeing thousands and thousands of geese right now well a lot of it just to kind of prove a point is we're not hunting so all these birds that were driven to inside the state limits and all these all these wreckages, all of a sudden now we're seeing them every day because they're not getting shot at Yep. And so you 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 take out one one variable, which is that that increased hunting pressure. All of a sudden, there's geese everywhere. So.
0: There is a lot of geese around. There's a lot of ducks around too, though. I went down to um, a lot of ducks. You know, River Refuge uh, Seed down here in Brousville? Mm-hmm. Uh well, I grew up with that um, that family. We were we were really close friends growing up and stuff. And I actually hit up uh, Chris Rogers and asked him if I could go out to their place and take some pictures and take a look around. And they had. So many ducks and geese out on there. They have a newer um, a wetland that I could get close to. I, I didn't get on it, but I got close to it. And yeah. I mean, there's so many pintail and, and lots of big breeding hawkers and because they're going to hold water all year um, oh, yeah. in those specific areas. But I mean, it was like I'd never seen that part of it before. And there's a lot of birds around. People don't realize how many birds are actually if you can find the water, you can find that there's quite a few birds that actually will winter and, and they'll raise their, their brood here. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with this whole three bird thing. It's not really going to change anything for me. If anything, it was going to make my hunting that much better because I'll just start shooting limits because this year I couldn't get more than three ever. Right. I think I had six hunts where I shot three geese. And then I was like, I'd sit there for an hour and I'm like, all right, I'm going to give another 10 minutes. And then I'd end up leaving with three. So just, you know. I
1: I think, I I think, I think two is the magical number as far as if if we ever got down to a two bird limit, then you start to see guys really drop off. But I think with three, it won't have too much of an impact. I just myself and talking like the farmers that we we know and hunt for, they'd love to see it start in October and go all the way through with no breaks. And I'm like, hey, I'm all in on that because when those birds first show up, that's when you want to go after them
0: yeah yeah unfortunately i think even with the farm the farm bureau and and odfw and stuff i don't know if they're ever gonna see eye to eye on on the the farmers the farmers end of that deal yeah but yeah it'd be cool maybe one day you know i don't know maybe in the next 15 years we'll get a bunch of snows too and we'll just turn into another midwest i don't know we'll see what happens i hope not though i love snow geese but i don't know if i can do I think I'd end up like Matt Judy where it's like, I'd have one good banger of a hunt where we'd shoot like 120 and I'd be like, I'm done. Never going to do it again. Exactly. No drive yeah. for yeah. Uh A couple questions before we wrap up here. So youth, let's talk youth for a second. What's, mm-hmm. what's a good, what's a good way to get that you see getting youth involved in the outdoors, whether it be duck and goose hunting or Turkey. Hunting? I feel like duck and goose hunting and Turkey hunting is a really good Entry into the outdoors because turkey hunting, specifically because the weather is typically nicer, a lot yep. warmer. It's a lot more kid friendly, and it's not quite as not brutal. But there's you, waterfowl hunting can be a wicked, wicked beast sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like turkey hunting can be a lot more more calm.
1: So there's a few things about about taking kids hunting that I think are super important. And um, I actually used to be before I had kids. I used to always talk about one of these particular. And the first one being, you know, if you, when you take kids in the outdoors, um, one of the most important things I think as a parent or a mentor, um, is you got to realize when, when they're done, you're done. And I've seen kids ruined. I've, I, I, I've seen it more often than I wish I could admit, but these, these dads that are dragging these kids through a full day's hunt for eight, nine, 10 hours in the freezing rain and cold. And the kids are not having fun anymore. You know, that first two hours, so that was great but the last six where they're, they're whining and crying and, and freezing. That's, that's the memory they're taking home. Yeah. And so as, as much as it, it might be painful at times, you might get everything packed up and get out to the blind for a duck hunt. And by nine 30, you know, Wyatt, he's done it before. Hey dad, I kind of go home. I look at him like, you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, you know? And I'm like, well, how about 15 more minutes and after 15 minutes, like, you want to go home? Yeah, let's go home. Okay. As much as I want to stick out, you know, stick it out. Yeah. Our, our hunt that day was over so that, that's one thing I, I tell everyone just try and try to remember when when, when they're done that the hunt's got to be over with second just go like I, I've, I've heard of so many people are looking for like that perfect scenario to take a kid into the outdoors and just taking them along on a, on a hunt or a scouting trip i mean scouting trips are a really good way to get kids involved because get a pair of binoculars give them a camera give them your phone to take pictures who cares Get them involved in the process of of what you're doing. And they just want to spend time with you. So that's a really good way to get them involved as well. But just take them. I mean, it it could be the worst on the season, it could be the best on the season. Don't don't wait for that perfect. It's gotta be we're gonna shoot 21 greenheads in two hours and it's gonna be lights out. You might you might shoot one hen widget in three hours, but to them, that was one of the best memories they'll ever have. Yeah. So um, that's that's two of them. And then number three, try to get other kids involved, you know um there's been a few times now where we uh I've, I've taken dylan three or four times and he's five now um we haven't had a chance to take any, any of his friends yet but wyatt has been able to take some of his buddies or we'll go to the 3d course and he invites some friends that never shot a bow before and all of a sudden now they want to go go shoot a bow and they get involved in it but try to get other kids and other parents involved as well
0: yeah yeah i feel like uh i feel like taking taking kids hunting is a lot like uh introducing your wife into the outdoors I was always trying to like wait for that perfect moment, like where the weather yeah. wasn't going to be. It's like duck hunting's duck hunting's hard in particular because when the weather's bad, the hunting's good. So it's like I'm like trying to line up, you know, the stars perfectly where it's like okay, it's going to be kind of cold, it's going to be kind of, it's going to be clear though. There's going to be kind of a wind, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be an okay day to take her, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't pan out, or we go and it's terrible, and then I go the next day when it's nasty and I'm like back by you know nine o'clock done and she's like oh it must be nice to be able to go i'm just your bad buck charm and it's like no you're not it's just i don't want to take you and have you be miserable but yeah. at the same time it's like i want you to have a good time so that you want to go but mm-hmm. it's
1: uh another thing i do that uh i've seen lots of other parents do it so it's not like it's my own trick or anything but bring the their bb gun and the the, the sacrificial decoy and let them shoot decoys or let you know just give them something to do so they're not just sitting there watching you or maybe it's you know they go out with the dog every time to pick up the bird or just make it make it to where they're involved and those those memories i'll have forever
0: 20 gauge a good entry gun for you think? depending on size depends on
1: on on, on the the child like, I feel why like there's really
0: not that much of a difference between a 12 and a 20 gauge like shooting my wife's 20 gauge and shooting my 12 gauge it's like i i don't really know if there's much of a difference in the kick or, or anything like that.
1: So the, the recoil thing, I actually don't think that's the biggest deal, is trying to find the guns that fit them. Yeah. Um, I've had a heck of a time trying to find, find a gun to fit Wyatt, and I finally ended up buying this, it's a Mossberg Bantam Mini Youth that has two different stocks, so they get bigger, smaller, they, you can adjust it, but we just could not find a gun that fit him properly to shoot. So he's shooting a 410 right now. Um, I, yeah, he can shoot 20 gauge, but like the 20 gauges that we have, what we found, are just so big that they just don't fit them properly. So, yeah. But yeah, 20 gauge is a great, great gun. So, I like
0: shooting a 20 gauge. I'm actually going to go buy, good. I'm going to go buy a new 20 gauge. I want to get uh, the new Benelli Super Black Eagle 20 gauge semi. That seems like a it's, fun game. It's all the rage right now.
1: And, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's easier on your shoulder. It's easier on your ears. I mean, all around. It's, it's a lot of fun.
0: So. Yeah. We'll see how I do on Saturday at the banquet. Hopefully, right. I made the comment that if I don't want a gun, I'm done with the podcast. so either i'm gonna have to have deep pockets or i'm gonna have to get really lucky or this might be one of the last episodes i ever record oh well eric i appreciate you coming back on i know you got a busy schedule with your work and uh you know family and stuff but i appreciate you coming on it's always a pleasure oh man
1: i I really enjoy getting the invite, and it's it's fun to sit down and talk with you. I, I uh, enjoy it very much.
0: You have to get a couple of the other guys from uh, from Born and Raised on. We can have a big big powwow session.
1: They'd love to. It'd be a lot of fun.
0: Um, Flyway Channel, uh, the Flyway on tip, YouTube. Yep
1: it's, it's it's the Flyway. It's it's our new channel for Born and Raised Outdoors. It's going to be strictly waterfowl and turkey hunting. Uh, won't have any of our big game hunting stuff on there. And then all of our all of our
0: waterfowl tree going down, That's that'll be the home for it. So. And uh, the Flyway Channel, uh, if you watch the latest video, I think it's about halfway through, you guys talk about the shotgun giveaway. Um, there's a yeah. number to text. I think you text Turkey to the number. Um, follow the steps. I did it tonight because I want to win that gun. And if I win the gun, I want you to tell no and not to touch it. I want it just how it is. <laughs> um, but it's pretty you simple it. to enter. You just uh, text the number, text in Turkey, uh, first name, last name, email, send it in. Boom. Good to go. Entered in. Um, and then Born and Raised Calco.
1: Born and Raised Calco, yep. Born raised that's, Calco. Uh, that's where you can find all of our stuff. And, uh, my handle on Instagram is just Eric Strand.
0: Are you guys out of Turkey call still? Your diaphragms?
1: uh yeah we're we almost got them back so of course we ran out while we we're in you know california so as soon as we get home we're like well we got to build stock back up so we're waiting to get our stock or, or a little up before we 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 release them because it was awesome great problem to have but yeah we sold out really fast <laughs> and now are you
0: gonna put them back on sale with the pot calls that was kind of I'm that, like sure that was like a that. wildfire there for a minute yeah that
1: was kind of our introductory you know introductory uh a uh, special sale there but we we always run sales on different stuff and different bundles so there's always somebody yeah. doing
0: it well i'll tell you what these calls are i mean even if i can't do them for shit they're beautiful i mean the strikers <laughs> the the pot calls themselves i mean it's like very very well done they're very i'm um, yeah, they're we, very we uh, that. very photogenic calls too the i think it's the the engraving on the back of the mm-hmm. alcohol, and then on the stick with just the right light, you can get a pretty sweet picture of it. Oh, yeah. Um, they pop. Yeah, very cool. Um, yes, yeah, so be sure to check out uh, Born and Raised Calco and online. Newly, you can enter at checkout. Uh, Blind chatter ten, you get ten percent off your order. So, Absolutely. Uh, are you guys going to water, be doing new apparel runs? Waterfowl, turkey, LP you Are you guys going to be doing new apparel runs?
1: We are. We will have a are? bunch of new apparel coming out probably mid to late summer, I my guess.
0: Now are you guys gonna kind of follow suit with uh what everybody else is doing with these wild like graphic tees, like the dive bomb kind of not not exactly the dive bomb style, but are you guys gonna yeah. kinda go outside of their comfort zone a little bit with them and see what happens? We might
1: yeah, you know, we might we might dabble outside of our comfort zone. We might not go like hog wild, but there's every, there's some ideas and stuff that I like to do that's a little little edgy. So.
0: I'd like a a spoony one. Spinning would be awesome. I'm all done. Yeah, if we could make that happen, that would be uh I'd like that. I'd get a yeah. whole I'd get a whole run of them.
1: We gotta figure out a time we can get together and do a waterfront this fall. It'll be fun.
0: Yes. Um we're putting in for some uh some savvy stuff and then we're gonna be putting back in for Umatilla again. Um good. See if we can't get in some trouble over there since our last time was kind of a, a bust, but we'll see. But yeah, we'll definitely have to set up uh some sort of a waterfall hunt. pull we'll do down it. on some some cacklers or something. Maybe some some big birds.
1: We could throw the old mega spread, a thousand dive bombs out.
0: Oh God, that's a lot. That seems like so many decoys. That's not that bad. It really isn't. I know. So everybody bad. says. I just hear a thousand decoys, and I think of lugging a thousand full bodies somewhere. I'm just like, I'd rather just stay in my truck. watch What's, what's crazy road. is when
1: you go to pick them up, you go. I mean, literally, you can pick those up in about twenty minutes. Easy. It's fast. It's fast. So Well, I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me on. It's fun. Yeah, man.
0: Thanks for being here. And uh we'll definitely uh definitely be in touch here.
1: all right Have a great night.
0: All right, man. Take care.